welcome, 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 Machine Chronicles. I'm your host, The Heathen Machine. Here we are back for another episode. Well, Memorial Day has come and gone. I hope all of you had a good weekend, a little extra day off. It's always a, a weird holiday, right? We call it a holiday, but the whole point of it is in memoriam for the service members who, who gave their lives for this country, the United States. Now, I don't really care if you agree with it or not. That's the reality. Men and women giving their lives so people in this country can choose to hate them and hate what they stand for. Because the sad reality is, it seems like we're, we're kind of going in that way. And the other weird thing about Memorial Day, the whole weekend is, you know, that's always the disgusting thing about the United States and kind of what it's become. You know, America's become a parody of itself, right? Everything becomes commercialized. Everything becomes hypersexualized. Everything becomes hyper extreme. And you can see it in our culture, right? You can see this, these extremes in our culture now growing, you know, because of the commercialization of fucking everything. Like nothing is sacred in this country. Nothing. As soon as greedy little corporate mongers can get their hands on it, including the politicians, because they're the same, they'll bastardize it, package it up, make sure they don't offend up certain groups of people and then send it out there. Right. And, and a Memorial days is, is unfortunately become one of those things. Now, here's the thing. I'm never against people having a good time. I'm never against people enjoying themselves. I'm never against people um, not taking everything too seriously, but I, I think it is good for one fucking day to just think about the sacrifices of people of men and women who fought in service for what they believed in in this country, you know, the, the freedom and freedom of speech, the freedom to bear arms, all of these things. Ultimately, that's what it's about. Anyway, little rant, just something I've been thinking about. I had a discussion uh, about this about a week ago uh, about Memorial Day. And, you know, here's the crazy thing. Before I go into this topic of sort of the state of affairs today, you know, the interesting thing about combat veterans and, and civilians in the United States, and just we can, we can take out the combat veteran, just military veteran, right? And why there's always this disconnect between American civilians and, and military personnel. You know, a lot of times, you know, in my two deployments, I spent 
all of it overseas, Middle East, Africa. And you just, you get exposed to the wider world and you see the luxuries that we have in this country. And you see the struggle of those in other countries that don't have the things we have. And then you come back home and you've got all these smarmy, obnoxious 20-somethings who are so disgustingly entitled. And they lack so much self, they lack self-awareness that they, they have no idea how entitled they really are right? Demanding, they be called certain things, demanding, 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 demanding. It's always a demand. If you're demanding things, you're, you're probably not struggling, right? Because in, in countries where rights are actually stifled, nobody can demand it because they'll just be killed, right? So to demand something means you're already starting off on a good foot. So there's always that disconnect because a lot of American military personnel will go to places and see things that most American civilians will never get to see. And I just want to highlight this real quick. So the other day I was in, I had to do a little bit of shopping, stopped in a Walmart, go to checkout. And the system, I don't know, Wi-Fi or something was down. So no, you couldn't check out. It, there was a line and I waited because look, it's it's like a 40 minute drive for me to from my house to, to Walmart. So when I do my when I gotta get bulk stuff, that's where I go. It's my only choice. So I wasn't going anywhere. I was waiting. But it was funny because I, I you know, I remember looking around and seeing all these people in line. And I remember thinking, like, you know what? This is the worst part of most of these people's day. And I mean, just think about that. Like living in this country, the first world, well, suppose a first world nation, right? We're, we have things so easy, like convenience, like we have it easy. And for most people, being held up in a grocery store line is probably like the worst part of their day. So just, you know, be thankful for that. And I was laughing to myself because I, I remember thinking that I'm like, man, you know, for a lot of people, this is this is probably the worst part of their day. You know, they're, they're in a hurry to get home so they can just take off their shoes and sit their fat asses on their couch and watch TV, right? That's what, what, that's what people are in a hurry for anymore anyway. Like, what the fuck? Where do you need to be that you're going 85 miles per hour on the road? Nowhere. That's where you're going. You're going home so you can be a lazy fucking piece of shit. That's the reality. I digress. So let's roll into a topic that I've had actually quite a few people message me on about wanting like covering and it's the state of affairs today. Now on my social media, I tend to stay away from all of these hot button issues. And it's not because I'm self-censoring. It's because social media is not the place to have these nuanced discussions on sex and gender and religion and politics uh, and all these other things that everybody wants to have debates on on social media, right? Because the, the reality is, is we can't have those discussions because you will, we will be censored. You know, if, if, 
if you're somebody you're like, well, I don't agree with this, these trans issues or whatever, you're going to be censored. Or if you're somebody who uh, disagrees with kind of the, the current event or the current cool thing that these tech companies seem to slant towards, you're, you're going to be silenced. If Twitter is showing us anything and, and Elon Musk's attempted purchase of it, it's one most of the user base on all these social media platforms are probably bots. So I have to admit this to myself, but if you have a big account, I bet you half of those are probably not even real. Not only are they not real, they're probably inactive users. And even the comments now that you receive, if you have a big account, you can't necessarily trust the fact that those are even real, right? Because we're seeing now more and more that a lot of these are bots and it's kind of scary. I saw something posted um, a little while ago and it was a Twitter user talking about how the close mutual contacts that they had interacted with were not real. <laughs> they were bots. <laughs> so just think about that. Don't live your life in social media because it's fucking fake. It's not real. All right. Most of the people you interact with, Hopefully they are real. I feel like a lot of the ones I interact with are because I'm, uh, I'm very selective with who I talk with. But so I stay away from diving into these 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 social issues because it's not a place on social media and it's not something I'm really trying to go after. I, my main goal with my Instagram. And anything else I do, my main goal has always been to motivate people. You know, I don't want to alienate people, although that's inevitable. It doesn't matter. People will see me make their judgments based on how I look and, and just things I write, even though they don't know shit about me. So I stay away from that. But I've had a lot of people ask, you know, I, I, I posed uh, some questions and topics and stuff, and people seem to want to know sort of my take on the state of affairs today. Uh, and, I, and I think this podcast is probably a good space to do that because I can explain, I can talk. Even then, things will be taken out of context, but I don't care. So the state of affairs. I mean, let's look around, right? It's, it's easy to panic. It's easy to see social media in this 24-hour news cycle has really amped up everybody's anxiety. Some of it's legitimate, but it seems a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. Uh, and, and a lot of it is specific, specifically targeted to make you feel that way, right? Because th there's a, a reaction that somebody somewhere is wanting. And I think I, it's funny. I think I have a, a unique perspective, not because I'm special, simply because of where I live, how I live, right? I, I live, I live a very, uh, not isolated, but um, I live a life of intentional solitude. You know, I'm not completely cut off from the world. I, I'm not, I don't want to paint myself as like this fucking survivalist living in Alaska you know, I got to hunt, I got to pull in 80 pounds, uh, 100 pounds of fish so I can feed my sled dogs or stuff like that. But I, I, I do live very rural. I'm deep in the woods. 
So I feel like I've got an interesting perspective because I feel like I'm always on the outside looking in, right? I'm, I'm far away from cities. I'm far away from these cultural clashes that are going on in these more populated areas. But that's also intentional. So let's rewind a little bit before I dive into really how I see things today. So back when I was getting ready to get out of the Marine Corps, this would have been in 2012. Even back then, I saw a society that seemed to just be coming unhinged. And I, I wasn't terribly interested in running back to rejoin that society. So as I was getting ready to get out of the Marine Corps, my myself and at the time I was I was married, my ex-wife, we we decided that we wanted to veer to, towards a more homesteady lifestyle, right? And we were going to make it work, saved a bunch of money, get some property and go about that. Because even back in 2012, you know, you know, we're, th we're talking 10 years ago, all the same bullshit, like guns and ammo, you know, remember at that time, like people were worried Obama was going to take guns and it never happened. And so it's like all these issues are, are, are the same. Like that's what people seem to forget. That's the problem of this 24 hour news cycle and social media is that people have the atrociously short memories to even forget that 10 years ago, all the dumb bullshit that we're crying about now was the same stuff that was going on 10 years ago. Nothing has changed and nothing ever will. There's only ever the illusion of change. Remember that. So I saw the state of affairs even back in 2012. I, I, I knew then that I, I just didn't want, I, I didn't trust the, the system that keeps this country running because if you trust in it, you're doomed to fail. You're going to come uh, You're going to come in on the short end on that because systems break down food system, the transportation system, the communication system, all of these things are so vulnerable, especially in the United States. Like let's take our power grid, right? Our power grid is obnoxiously vulnerable. It, it would take nothing for somebody to go knock out key junction boxes and just darken huge swaths of this country. Our communication system, going back to that situation at Walmart where everything came to a grinding halt because the servers couldn't access the information to pull payment information. And it's something as simple as that that can cause uh, chaos. And, and so now look around at what's going on, right? We have these baby formula shortages in Walmart and any other store I've been into, they have signs up now saying that to limit how much baby formula you purchase. And I live, you know, I live far out. I don't live in a very heavily populated area. And even out here, it's a problem. The rising cost of gas here in Missouri, rural Missouri, gas is at 419, which is insane for this area. When I first moved here, gas was 279 under Trump. 
living here, gas was $1.79. Now we're looking at $4.20 a gallon. Now, in these people that live out here, that people that live out in the country, it's not like they make a ton of money. You know, we always hear that, that middle America, you know, and that's where certain political parties are dropping the ball. They've completely forgotten that there's huge population bases that live in these rural parts of the country out here. So we got this rising cost of gas, right? Food shortages are inevitable. Like it's starting with this baby formula. And I suspect it's only going to spread from there. I often talk about the fact that no one is going to save you. And frankly, it's no one's job to. And that's true, right? We see this in Texas with this school shooting where there's just too many reports now to say that, well, you should think before you react to that. But you hear about these cops that are, are <laughs> that didn't want to go in to this active shooter situation and put their lives on the line and, in hopes of, of saving other lives. That used to be the function of those who served in those roles. But <clears throat> when you think about it, you know, you've, you've had society now shitting on law enforcement for the last two years. And look, a lot of it's justified. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not a bootlicker. So there's plenty of things that I absolutely just will never side with law enforcement on, right? Um, their manipulation tactics, their woefully outdated look on drugs, um, their woefully inadequate um, tactics when, when in inner cities, there's just a lot that can be changed. But at the end of the day, when you swear an oath to protect people, that's what you do. You protect people. So I talk about this, no one coming to save you. And there's plenty. Let's look at New Orleans, right? Back, uh, I think it was 2004, they had those, the, the, the hurricanes that flooded the city and cops were looting stores. And they, so when the chips are down, don't ever expect these agencies to come and save you because they're human. They're human and they're probably going to go save their families first. So you need to accept that. Right? If there's anything we can learn right now, we, we look about we look at what's happening. There's only one conclusion you can come to and it's that you need to be better prepared for a scenario that you're going to have to take care of yourself and your families because that's probably that's probably the reality of it. Now, I, I got to be totally honest. Living out here, I, I, I don't follow the news as much. You know, and, I, and it's funny. I've had people, when I say that, they're like, oh, my God, don't you want to know what's going on? And then I ask them to inform me about what's going on in the news, and they can't. <laughs> They'll say Russia, Ukraine, or Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. They might mention the Texas school shooting. And then I'll be like, well, and then I'll counter with, well, hey, did you know that they just revived a human eye, a dead human eye, and they made it some of the cells in that eye? And of course they don't. So I stay away from this news cycle on purpose. And it doesn't make me any less informed. It's just the things I'm informed on are things most people 
aren't paying attention to. Most people would rather be distracted by degenerate movie stars like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I'm a fan of Johnny Depp, but look, all those people who live in Hollywood for so long, they're so fucking compromised. They have no idea what reality is. It's just a joke. You know, it's this popularity contest and too many of you are falling for it. And that is a problem. This poisonous uh, celebrity worship culture, and it is poisonous. You know, this undufluence they have on people is so crazy. You know, you hear these food plants, these food processing plants burning down, right? And people getting worried because there's a food shortage. Look, there is no food shortage. There is a convenience shortage. That's, see, that's going to be the biggest challenge. Right. What, what we see is going on is for a long time, you know, we've, we've had these systems in place, you know, your food shipped in or most of the stuff you're eating vegetable wise doesn't even really come from American farmers to begin with. If if you were paying attention, you'll understand that most of the corn and soy that's grown in this country one, most of the corn that's grown in this country is any—it's not even grown for human consumption. It's grown for uh, grain for for cattle, and it's also going to be used as fillers, corn syrup, corn starch, and all this other really junky processed stuff that's going to get put into foods. The soybeans—I don't know why you're even eating them if you are—but the soy that's grown in this country, almost all of it is exclusively used for some kind of filler. It's funny. I remember when I was living on the road, I stayed at, uh, I, I stayed at a farm through boondockers. Welcome. It's this, it's this really cool app that if you live on the road and you're self-contained, you can stay at people's properties. And so I stayed at this soybean farm and, oh my God, I could feel the estrogen just, just breathing in. Right. And you just, as far as the eye could see in central Iowa, outside of Woodward, Iowa, you know, just very flat. There's nothing there. Monocrop agriculture has just ruined that area because monocrop agriculture is terrible. It's terrible for the environment. So, and, and, and the guy whose property was, he's like, you see all this soybean? He's like, all of this is going to be in hamburger meat. It's going to be in cereal. It's, it's in everything. But all these systems are vulnerable, right? So all of these systems are incredibly vulnerable, and we're seeing that right now. We're seeing there's going to be shortages in food. I think I think even the Biden administration, as utterly incompetent as they are, has has admitted as much. And then suspiciously, you have Bill Gates snapping up all this farmland. Like Bill Gates is, he's very paunchy flabby belly and pale pasty skin and he's a proud vegan and it shows he looks very unhealthy that's just i mean you know this whole like pushing of vegan diets i mean that's very weird it's very weird right when you when you think about that it's like why 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 this sudden push for veganism right look I'm going to go off on a side tangent, but the reality of, of eating like a vegan is like it doesn't pass the litmus test. All right, go go 
live in the wood for the woods for 30 days and only eat stuff, vegetable matter that you find in the woods. I promise you fail. You will fail and you won't make it because most people don't like you watch a show like alone, right? They go, they're survivalists. They're by themselves and they can only whatever they find and scavenge they can eat on. Well, oddly enough, all the vegans who have been on that show have to eat meat <laughs> because you can't sustain yourself on mushrooms and plant matter. You can't. You can do it if you live in a city because that, that's your entitlement. That's your convenience. You can just go to the grocery store and buy all these things that are shipped in from other places. I digress. So here's the thing. It's easy to see, it's easy to think that everything is crumbling around us. And maybe it is. Well, it is. I think it's safe to say the United States is in this, this de decaying phase. So the infrastructure is decaying. You've got teachers at all levels now who probably failed at the things they actually wanted to do. And their fallback was to become a teacher. And I don't mean to offend teachers, but I also don't care because that seems to be the reality. Like almost every teacher you meet never wanted to be a teacher. It's just something they ended up doing because, I don't know, they didn't have the talent or they just couldn't do the thing they actually want to do. So like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll just be a teacher. So now you got these teachers wanting, for some reason, they like they need to teach your kids about genders. Like, who the fuck are you? Right? So. Our, our education system is in decay. It's gone from logical, critical thinking skills to emotionally charged uh, political stances. Um, so there's that decay. There's decay there going on, right? We've got a severe de breakdown and decay within law enforcement and these public service agencies because don't forget the pool of candidates they've got to pull from are like the younger generations that are coming up in this. I don't know, man, this weird world that we're living in where um, the extremes rule. It's like nuance and critical thinking are, are, are being replaced. Like we're, it, we're now raising younger generations of extremists, right? Because that's all they know, you know, social media in this, uh, this news cycle, it's all extremes, right? It's one side or the other. There's no nuance. There's no in between. You can't even be called a centrist anymore because one side, the right or the left, will criticize you for holding that stance, right? Like me, I would tell people I'm probably a centrist, right? I, I believe in gun rights. I, I believe in the freedom of speech. But I also believe that people have the right to be whoever they want. I believe in gay marriage and I believe in abortion. I believe in those things. Right. And so because, but because I'm in that middle ground, I, you know, you, you won't be accepted by the right or the left. And that is sort of the sad reality that we're in. It's where, where did we lose that? Where did we lose our nuance? Where did we lose our ability to be logical? Where did we lose our ability to be critically to, to critically think through these topics. And, and these topics that are confronting our society right now, they're not 
light topics. Like these are heavy, heavy things, you know, issues of gender, issues of race, issues of public policy and law enforcement and all this stuff is just really coming together so fast that I, I, I suspect that most people just aren't able to process it as quickly as, as we need to. And so that always leads us to the extremes. That's what happens when nuance breaks down, when critical thinking breaks down. You're left with extremes. And now we're at a point where these very, very, very few voices are having just way too much impact. And there will be a pushback. I think we're already seeing it. But, you know, I, when we can't have these conversations and when you hear about like families, they're not even getting together because of political stances. I mean, how pathetic is that? How weak are you mentally that you can't handle your own family members, differing opinion, right? Where did we lose that tolerance? Maybe we never had it, right? And maybe social media is just showing humanity what it really is and it's interesting because i'm a big fan of warhammer 40k and in warhammer 40k there's this thing called the warp it's like this it's this realm that is kind of in between the fabric of space it's this underlying existence right and 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 what it really is though it's a reflection of humanity and the warp it's tainted, it's, it's hateful, it's angry, it's, it's joy, it's all these extreme emotions because it mirrors, it mirrors what humanity feels. And I feel like that's what social media is. Social media is our warp, right? It could, because it's mirroring our primal drives and our primal hatreds and our primal aggression and anger. Because it's really easy to be shitty to people when you just... You don't have to see how they're reacting. You don't have to deal with any pushback. If somebody says something mean on social media, you just block them, right? You just block them. And then you're all proud of it. Like, oh, I blocked them. But is that really the answer? I mean, you can, you can, and it's hard. I get it. I'm not any better. So I just want to make that clear. I'm not any better. I get pulled into this shit too. But I do stay off social. I don't get into arguments on social media that's been the one line i don't cross right so so it right now that's just kind of the world um we find ourselves in you know like what do we do about it i don't have an answer and i suspect it's going to get much worse and i don't want to be that pessimist or the naysayer or anything like that and it's i don't even think it's pessimism i think it's just being realistic Right. I, I garden. I, I, I have chickens. I, I like to be self-sufficient because I don't trust these systems in our country because they can break down very easily. I mean, they uh, look, all it takes is a massive solar flare from the sun, which it has done before. And our technology is gone and we're essentially back to our primitive days. And most people, most of you listening, would not be able to handle that. 
because look, if you get stressed out because you're stuck in traffic, I promise you're not going to make it through a survival scenario, right? If you get stressed out because you have to wait in line too long or your fucking food delivery took 10 minutes more than they should have, then you're probably going to struggle when everything goes down because that can happen, you know, just because it hasn't. Right. And, and people always shrug that off and they're like, oh, you're a doomsday prepper. And they have all these terms to diminish the message you're trying to get across. And it's that, hey, you need to just be prepared. If you're going to spend thousands of dollars on insurance for your car, for your home, for your health, why won't you spend uh, some money to have some extra food supplies, extra water? Or you invest some money into some land and property somewhere. And if something happens, you can go there. You've got gardening knowledge. You've got knowledge on herbs. You've got knowledge on basic first aid. Things that are useful to you and your family and things that can be useful to community as you rebuild. In case, like, if the, uh, that extreme scenario happened. I mean, I hope it doesn't. But I, I kind of hope it does. Because here's the thing, change doesn't occur when, when, there's, when there's nothing pushing back, right? So change comes about when something extreme happens. Change occurs when it has to occur, right? When adaptation is necessary. And I, I think in this country, in the United States, I think we've just had it so good for so long that that there's just there's large groups of people that are creating conflict just for conflict's sake. Right? I mean, no American has had a war on their doorstep, right? That's not that hasn't been the case. Americans have always had the luxury of sitting on the sidelines while Europe or the Middle East or Africa just getting torched. So Americans have had the luxury of sitting back and being comfortable, getting fat, you know, dyeing their hair blue, worrying about their gender instead of like, oh, my God, if I go outside, I might get fucking bombed. That's the reality of people in other countries. You know, people are supporting Ukraine, but, you know, Ukraine is not supportive of gay rights. Like, what's where, where the fuck is that? Right. The Middle East. You know, where was the outrage in the Middle East when, you know, Obama's administration were bombing civilian hospitals? It wasn't there because everyone liked Obama. Who will go down as the second worst president uh, after Biden, for sure. Now, just because I said that, people will assume I'm some kind of like MAGA Republican, which I am not just so we're fucking clear. So the state of affairs, that is my take on it. The state of affairs, the way I see it is every country, every empire, every country goes through these phases of decay and growth, decay and growth. But the United States, unfortunately, I think, it peaked right after World War II, and it's just been a downward slide ever since. We get ourselves into these military conflicts that are just, they're not, our, they're not ours to fight. 
you know, we lost in Korea, we lost in Vietnam, we lost in Afghanistan and Iraq, right? The only war we've ever really succeeded in was World War II because there was a, a very concrete cause. When I was in Afghanistan, I promise you, me and none of, the, none of the other Marines, we had no fucking idea why we were even there. Right? It was like, oh, we're fighting terrorists. Like, no, we weren't. We we're fighting just people who didn't want us in their country. I would have been on their side, too, if I was, uh, you know, an Afghani. I would have been fighting back as well. It's just the American, you know, the United States does a good job of painting these people as the enemy. When anyone, any country invaded us, we would fight back. Probably not the cities. They'd probably raise the white flag and let them in. Because that seems to be under the democratic values. But again, there I digress because I'm not an expert on that stuff. So that's kind of a tangent. It was a free flow tangent. I, but I, I definitely wanted to um, tackle briefly some of these things going on. I mean, look, the, the problem is there's just so much access to information. It's, I, you know, the school shooting in Texas, from what I I've been told, just didn't get a lot of press, right? Didn't get a lot of coverage. And then Obama puts out a tweet like, like, yeah, yeah, poor kids. Uh, but let's not forget George Floyd, who was shot, you know, under the heels of police officers. It's like, what a weird thing to say. Right? I mean, what the fuck? I guess. But so, hey, man, people need to stay relevant. And maybe that's what he needs to do to stay relevant is, is say stuff like that. And that's his prerogative. It's funny, I served under him, you know, in the military, he was he was the uh, quote unquote, commander in chief, only by title, obviously. But uh, people don't understand that under Obama, like how many civilians were killed with drone strikes, I think only Bush um, authorized more drone strikes than Obama did, but not by much. And I, I mean, I, I experienced Obama's policies in the military and they're atrocious, but Hey, you support them. That's, that's on you. So ultimately my take on the things that are going on today are a society that is not at ease, a society that is in the grips of mental health crises, anxiety, stress, super hyper-stimulated on information, video games, porn, violence. And most people don't have an outlet to, to, to like process all of this input. You know, I, it's funny, I talk to younger kids and it's hard to sometimes because it's like they don't have, it's, you know, people want to say like, well, my kid's autistic. Well, like, no, they're probably just, they're probably just not developing properly because they're fucking, their nose is in a game. And now with, you know, schools being weird, you know, canceling school for years because of COVID. So we're going to, look, it's, it's going to, 
it's going to come back and bite us in the ass the way we're we're raising these next generations you know we're raising a very feeble-minded weak-bodied generation of of people and that is not how you sustain a country all right let's wrap this up went on some tangents there but this was actually kind of fun. It's totally spitballing, free-flowing. I didn't write anything down, no transcript. Just is all just off the top of my head because I like to talk. So I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I would like to do answer maybe some questions after. Um, problem is, I need you to ask me questions. I did have a few come in, though. And both of them had to do with heathenry and what my interest is in it. So for me, and I think a lot of people uh, get this wrong, right? And this is a, like a Western worldview, a very Christian Western worldview where everything's codified and there's set rules and, you know, guides for conducting religious ceremonies and, and the such. But for me being a heathen, is simply about being a part of nature. Being a heathen to me is understanding that I am a part of a whole, like I'm a part of a system, right? I'm no, I'm not greater than nature or the animals in it. I'm simply a part of it. You know, our modern society is choosing to, you know, further and further remove uh, that nature element of I mean, what really developed us into what we are? Um, it, there's this push to make us like artificial. But I, I think there's a lot to be learned in nature. <clears throat> and that's where my heathen aspect comes in. You know, it's being grounded. It's being connected with nature. And, it, you know, saying stuff like that always sounds so crunchy, like hippie-ish. But there's really no other way to describe it. So many of the Native American tribes across this country had that same worldview, right? And, and a lot of the white settlers never could understand that again because so many, you know, what are the enth enth anthologists or uh, I can't think of the word, um, people who are studying, you know, natives in, 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 their, in, their, uh, in their everyday life, they always tried to put their beliefs into some codified unified system. And that wasn't the case because they never were listening. And if you listen to what a lot of the elders had to say, it was basically everybody had their own unique prayer that they would say, or they would you know, each individual would have their own unique ceremony they would perform. And, you know, there's very few things that were, uh, that were um, so, uh, strict and laid out like something like Catholicism or anything on with Christianity or Islam or Judaism. So for me, heathenry and being a heathen, that, that's what it's about. It's simple. It's just about being a part of nature, learning from nature, understanding that it can teach us um, things. And it's also about, you know, embracing um, sort of that primal aspect of, of humanity you know, being okay with getting dirty and connecting with that aspect. Because again, you look around at our society, we're neutered, right? We're very, uh, you know, we're starting to, 
you know, get into these cities and suburbs and we're cut off. You live in concrete and you live in a house with a bunch of square rooms and you wake up and you go work at a shitty job you hate and you just want to go home and disconnect from your mundane life by doing other mundane things. And it's just this weird round robin, weird circle that we found ourselves in. Um, and I think that aspect of heathenry for me is um, is very important. So that's my take on it. Um, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know this is the longest one, I think, so far. Um, but it seems like I, I guess people are wanting to know my thoughts on stuff. So um, hopefully you got an idea. Maybe uh, you won't like me as much or you might like it more. I, you know, whatever. It's kind of irrelevant, to be honest, uh, how you feel about me. Um, these are just things that I feel. Um, a lot of it could be expanded upon, sure, but that that I can do that in uh, in future episodes. So find me on Instagram at the Heathen Machine. Uh, I drop new episodes of the Heathen Machine Chronicles every Wednesday. Um, and those can be found anywhere. Uh, any podcast can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, so on and so forth. Um, any comments you want to leave me? Any suggestions on future topics? I'm uh, actually taking suggestions as we speak. So, again, I want to thank all of you for listening, especially this far. I am so grateful for all of you. Um, I'm really hoping I can continue to grow this podcast. And with your help, we can make that happen. From deep in the Ozark foothills, he the machine out.